The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kuci.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about cybersecurity, and we've talked about this a lot because it is such an important and such a hot issue, and it affects us whether we're a large company, a mid-sized company, small company, or just an individual. So it really affects everybody, and we have a wonderful expert on the show with us today, and let me tell you a little bit about Lissa Myers. She's been researching malware and cyber threats for nearly 18 years. As a security researcher for ESET, and we'll find out what ESET is in a little bit, she provides practical cybersecurity analysis and advice, and she's been an advocate for expo- exposing students to computer sciences and STEM education, and she'll tell us a little bit what STEM education is as well. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Mark, for having me on. Well, Lisa, tell us, first of all, what is STEM education for those people who don't know? Uh, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Important stuff. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and especially nowadays when everything is really dealing with technology. So yeah. how about ESET? What, uh, what is ESET? ESET is a global IT security software company, and our North America headquarters is in San Diego. And we make endpoint and mobile security products for consumers, small businesses, and large enterprises. We have 110 million people using our software to protect themselves in 180 countries worldwide. Wow. So that's really important, and you're right down the street from us here. Yeah. Well, so how did you get to be such a techie, you know? I mean, there aren't very many women. I Fortunately, I get to interview them, and they're wonderful. But there aren't a lot of women in technology. So how did you get to be such a techie? I kind of fell backwards into it. I really didn't intend to do this. I was a florist for a number of years before I got into this business. But I got sick sick of getting laid off every summer, so I took a job as a receptionist at an anti-virus company, they're now called anti-malware companies, but, you know, by the time I left, I was the one who was training the new researchers coming in. Wow. Isn't that funny how sometimes, you know, you don't make that decision, life makes that decision yeah. for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it was a great decision for you. So, yeah, yeah so tell us, um, what is this ESET scholarship? And, you know, especially because we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California in Irvine, and 
people are listening that are driving by. So I think it's important that we know like about this scholarship and who can apply and the deadline and all that. Okay. Well, uh, ESET's offering a Women in Cybersecurity Scholarship. The, the deadline to have your application in is Wednesday, March 15th. It's for anybody who's accepted to or enrolled in an accredited university. There's no major requirements, anything like that. And to apply, uh, we need a completed essay, your transcript, and one letter of recommendation. It's for $5,000, and you have to be a U.S. citizen or permanent resident with 3.0 GPA or higher. And they, they can go to ESET.com slash scholarship. That's ESET.com slash scholarship to find out more and to apply. Oh, that is just wonderful. So that's perfect that we're right here on the campus. And I hope everybody that's listening has taken that down to go to ESET.com. Is, and then they can do slash scholarship or they just look yep. for scholarship. Okay. ESET.com slash scholarship. Wonderful, because we really do want to encourage women to be in that technology space as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, um, that that goes to a question, is it like, why is it so important that we get women in the cybersecurity careers? You know, people say, well, what's the difference? We've got all these men in it. Why do women have to be in it? Well, women are half the population, and women are at least half of the people who are using technology. And we have different experiences. Not to say that, you know, inherently men and women are are going to have very different experiences. There's some, you know, kind of born in there. But generally speaking, the more we can include different types of people, the more effective we can make our products. Exactly, because sometimes women need something that that uh, men don't think about, right? I mean, right, exactly. and, and so, um, and plus, then that can expand the products that you might have to have women have that creativity and look at it from that female perspective. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the Internet of Things. First of all, for those people who don't know what the Internet of Things is, they don't even realize it's happening all the time. Can you give some examples and talk about what it is? Well, one example that is in my house is is we have a washing machine that has the option to connect to your Wi-Fi. I have no idea why that is, but (laughs) that option exists on on our washing machine. And there's a lot of different things like light bulbs and uh, toys that uh, there was just uh, a hack announced that they had this internet-connected teddy bear that people were able to eavesdrop on these connections. Well, that yeah, that's a scary one, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know about the 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 washer and uh, being maybe yeah, maybe either. if there's a problem with it, it, they can call you on the on or yeah, connect monitor your you. watch from the internet or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's also the refrigerators, right? That uh, right. that yeah. can talk to you and tell you you need more orange juice, or exactly, or you better not be eating this food because it's going to make you gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for that for something to remind oh. me. Don't go in and get that, you know, peanut butter at at eleven o'clock at night <laughs> because <laughs> it has X amount of calories or something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this is what we need for utensils, right? But yeah, the Internet of Things that when when we're totally connected, right? That's mm-hmm. I know. Um, like these alarm systems are are connected so that you can, you know, see what's happening, you know, in front of your house if you're on your cell phone, and that's connected to everything else. The locks on your doors, right? Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's some real wonderful advantages, but, you know, a lot of people, they don't think about the security and privacy of this. So, so tell us a little bit about that security and privacy and passwords and all that stuff with regard to the Internet of Things. Well, it's, it's something that most people don't even necessarily think about. When they're creating the product, they're tending to rush to market without necessarily thinking about how it could be misused. And so they may have things set up to, to make it very easy to use without necessarily being very secure. So the first thing you want to do if you are thinking about getting something that has this Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, whatever capability, is do your research beforehand. You know, do they have existing vulnerabilities? or what's, what's the reputation of that company? Are they having problems that are making the news? And if you do find something that you want to buy, there's a few things you can do. The first thing is make sure you change the username and password on it so it's not something that somebody can you know, go on Google and can find your login information. Right, right. What about if I rent a car? Because this is something that we, we had to do last week before we had to buy a new yeah. car. And so we rented a car because our other car had gone down. And so we used the Bluetooth in the rental car. And my husband connected his iPhone to that. And, um, you know, he used his password to get into his iPhone. Is there any danger in that with that Bluetooth? There can be. There, I mean, there's something that that we've noticed as well, just, you know, same sort of situation as much as we rented a car and it automatically asked to sync our contacts, which, right. which you wouldn't what, do. Which you do on a rental car. <laughs> no. But, there, you know, if we went through the, the contacts that were on the car and it was like plenty of people's information on there that mm. had been blurped down because they allowed it to connect and uh, sync contacts. Oh, my gosh. that That is a privacy invasion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... You know, I was thinking about that when all of a sudden they had, um, when it pulled up, like his whole iPhone homepage came up, you know? Oh, yeah. And then we, I needed to put in an address because we needed the GPS. So I put in the address into the, you know, to the maps, MapQuest or whatever it was. And I thought, I'm wondering really, <laughs> you yeah. know, who can see this? You know, and, and we did it because that's what we do when we need something. We don't have time to go and see what's really happening. But then afterwards I was thinking, oh my gosh, my husband just connected his iPhone to this rental car. And, um, yeah, I got really worried. There wasn't any, you know, no one said anything to us about it or how to protect yeah. ourselves or anything. Well, say, if you think of the kind of use case that car makers are usually going to think of, it's not, they are probably not going to think of it in terms of people sharing their cars. They're going to think of it, it's your car, and it's only that, you know, one family or one person that's going to be in that car. And so they may not have the ability to, you know, let you delete contacts or addresses or things like that. So if, you know, you sell your car to somebody else, are they going to be able to see all of your details? Yeah, yeah. That's an important point. When you sell your car, you need to uh, totally delete everything that's that's yeah. in there that might have been connected with your with your Bluetooth. I know I have all my contacts in my car, so that yeah. all I have to do is tell Siri, you know, okay, call call my husband or whatever it is, and it it pulls up the contact and it knows what it is, and it's Bluetooth connected, so. Yeah, you know, I think we get to the point where it's so easy and it's 
so convenient exactly. that we just go ahead and do things without really thinking about the ramifications of who may have access to it now or later and how somebody else may come into it. So, you know, that's the issue is like, can I block it out, I guess, with my password on my on my car if someone stole my car? I don't know if I can. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's one of those things that it probably varies from manufacturer to manufacturer. And, you know, some of them may give you the ability to reset everything to factory standard if you sell it. But, you know, if it gets, if it gets stolen, that's a whole other matter. Yeah, yeah. So let's, since we're on the campus of the university right here, how should students stay safe online when they're using a shared terminal at school? Well, uh, it's a good idea to always keep your devices at hand and, with, and within your site so that somebody doesn't walk off with them. Uh, if you're using a, a shared terminal, consider, like the rental car, that you know there's a lot of people who are going to be coming through and using that same uh, terminal and you know don't know what they're going to go digging around for or what their intentions are. So make sure you don't log into anything that's particularly sensitive, especially like banking information, uh, banking information or online shopping or anything like that where you have to you know, log in, use your username and password, something that you wouldn't want some stranger to have. Right, right. So what do you think is important in terms of like when you've, we've got all these passwords and we try, I, I use LastPass and I've had um, some, you know, the thumb drive that can do some, you know, uh, password manager. What do you think about yeah. password managers? I love password managers. They, the best password is one you don't know. And having a password manager, you can have it create it so that if anything happens, you know, no one's going to be able to bonk you on the head and make you tell what your passwords are because you don't know. Right. So do you prefer the kind that you have that are like LastPass, which is like, I guess, out in the cloud somewhere, right? <laughs> or do you prefer something like that you have in your hand? So... Um, you have one password for this thumb drive that has all your passwords on it. That's your password manager. What do you think is really the safest thing to do? I think it's just a matter of using it. Like whatever works best for you is really the best choice. It's something, if it's something that you're going to use, then that's the best thing to use. Yeah. I just worry about safety, you know, in terms of what right. is safe. You know, I, I know sometimes when there's a password manager that's out in the cloud, if they get hacked, um, yeah. that could be a problem. Of course, you have mm -hmm. a special password just to get in there. So I would imagine that everything is encrypted except yeah. for when you use your password. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, when, they, when they tell you that if you lose your master, master password, you're kind of game over because they don't have it. That's the way it's stored they can't actually see it, which is really ideal. Like, all sites should be doing that. They should be what's called salting and hashing the passwords. So they don't actually ever keep the text of your password. All they keep is an like, algorithm of your password. Yeah, yeah. Because it's enough to make you crazy if you try and remember. I've walked into law oh, yeah. firms where I've seen... <laughs> I've yeah. seen people have the little stickies with their passwords on there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, that's that's really secure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, how crazy is that? 
So well, we have only so much brain, brain power for remembering all these things. And, you know, I was talking to somebody who has 600 different logins. How are you going to remember 600 different passwords? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have enough trouble. I can't even remember phone numbers anymore because all my <laughs> phone numbers yeah. are embedded in my iPhone, right? So all exactly. I do is pick up white, you know, so my brain says, you have enough to remember. You don't have to remember all these telephone numbers. So, yeah. like... I, I forget my son's number, you know, and I oh, forget my yeah. daughter's number. The only number I know is my number and my husband's number. I don't exactly. know anybody else's number, right? Yeah. So generally speaking, though, um, how do you say safe, you know, in a public place where there's Wi-Fi network like, you know, like an airport or Starbucks or, you know, now I go to restaurants and it, there's this one restaurant that we love to go to and they actually have by every seat a way that you can charge your iPhone. Oh, wow. <laughs> which, which is convenient if you go out to dinner yeah. and you don't have any. So we just, uh, yeah, it was so funny. We just went in, we plugged in to, um, you know, to charge our phones. So, but, you know, if you've got Wi-Fi everywhere, how do you stay safe? Well, think of it in terms of you're in a big crowd and you don't know what other people's intentions are. So, again, stay out of things that are sensitive. So don't get into, like, if you have documents with corporate secrets or something like that, then, you know, don't log in or don't open those while you're on the Wi-Fi. And don't get into um, your banking account or, say, your Facebook or email account, something that you don't want other people to be able to, to get into. Um, if you have a VPN, which is short for virtual private network, mm-hmm. you can go in and get an additional layer of security, too. Just kind of that extra peace of mind. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, sometimes I'm so surprised that people will go in and are, I'm going into get into my network or something, and I'm seeing all these open networks all around me. It just shocks me. I don't think yeah. people realize that that's that uh, anybody and their brother could get in there. Yeah, and there's also the possibility of malware is in there as well. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about when I was living in this apartment complex, and they had it was a few days until they were going to turn on my cable modem. So I logged into one of the open networks, and it was like immediately my anti-malware software popped up. Oh, we detected this. I'm like, oh, geez, okay, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, no matter how savvy we are, we sometimes, you know, just do things because it's convenient. And we, exactly. have, to, we have to really get conscious about this. Now, you've written a lot about how to protect your router at home and business. So can you give us some really important things to do about protecting our router at home or business? Yeah. So it's like the Internet of Things things. It's one day your homework before you buy it. Check and see the reputation of the manufacturer and do they have a responsible disclosure policy where they work with researchers to make sure that things are, are you know, patched in a reasonable time frame. And when you do find one you want to buy, uh, bring it home, change the full username and password right off the bat, and change the name of the access point to uh, the name of your Wi-Fi network. And then this, there's a, something called universal plug-and-play, which lets other people onto the network without authentication. You want to turn that off and turn off remote management. Make sure that your software on your uh, uh, router has been updated recently and just kind of go in every few months and make sure that you have the latest software for your router. 
Oh, that's important to do. Yeah. So your router won't tell you like, hey, we have new software because I mean, I'm thinking about the routers that I have. I haven't, I have a new one. And we did exactly what you said. But mm-hmm. how do you how do you know? Do you go? I mean, I don't get a like a update or anything that says no. hey, your router is up supposed to update. How, how do you do that? You go to the company or what? Yeah, yeah, definitely go directly to their website. Don't like go to strange links and email or anything. Like if you get some notice saying hey, your whatever is out of date, it might not be genuine. So go directly to your uh, manufacturer's website and get. Make sure that what you have is the most up to date. Yeah, now that's something I haven't heard. So you can do that right from your computer. You can download yeah. it at the website. Okay. Well, now you got gave me something to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what is it, it, for for the people who aren't aware? And we know that ransomware. We hear about it all the time. That people are having to pay ransoms or they're asked to pay ransom. So let's talk about what ransomware is and how people can protect themselves from it? Well, ransomware is an interesting thing. There's two main families. There's one of them that's called a lock screen, where it just literally locks your screen, so you can't do anything until you've paid your, the ransom. Mm. But those tend to be a little bit easier to get around. There's all sorts of you know, strange things you can do to kind of go sideways around a locked screen, usually. The other kind is called a, a crypto ransomware, and those or the ones that I think most of us have heard more often is the ones where it encrypts all of your files and then says, you know, if you pay us a three Bitcoin, then we will give you your files back. Mm. So what do you do? What do you well, do if something like that happens to you? <laughs> the short and probably not very satisfying answer is restore your stuff from backup. Mm. The, Sometimes ransomware works as expected, and sometimes it doesn't. So even if you do pay, you may not get your files back. So it's really better just because backup is an easy thing to do, and it's something we should all be doing anyway just because, you know, hard drives fail and tornadoes happen, whatever. It's better to have backups of your files so that if anything happens to you, even if it's ransomware or not, then you can just go in and restore and start over again, essentially. Exactly, exactly. So do you um, do you notify someone of that? I mean, so so what do you do? Wipe your computer clean and then start over with the backup? Is that what you're suggesting? That's the most safe way. I mean, those sometimes they can have kind of uh, their tendrils into the dark and scary places of your computer. I mean, like the places that most people don't want, want to go into, like registry and all sorts of stuff like that. It's better if you can just restore from backup totally clean, having wiped it first. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, these ransomware people, do they do they come back and try and do this again? So you, you would probably need to change all your passwords, too, to get back into your computer so they can't get in there, right? Well, the more you can bolster your security so you can prevent that sort of thing from happening again, because, yeah, the, most of what they do is automated. That's why it is affecting everybody is because they don't care if you're, you know, one individual person or a huge company because they're going to charge exactly the same because they don't have any vision into who that person is necessarily. And so they don't know if your data is worth $3 or $3 million. So they're going to ask the same regardless. And generally speaking, if they know that they can get in once, they will keep going. They will keep coming back. Wow. So who are these people that are doing this? I mean, are they... 
Are they from other countries? I mean, wh- what is the um, the FBI looking into? I mean, I would imagine that law enforcement is looking into this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is that it's, it's really easy, and you don't really need to be anywhere in particular. That's kind of the scary part for me is that it, it could be literally anywhere in the world. It could literally be anybody. And that they're out there as a service online. So it's not like it takes a particular amount of skill for these people to be able to attack us. Mm-hmm. So in terms of um, being prophylactic about it, you know, and protecting yourself and proactive, what are some of the things that you can do to be proactive? Well, first thing, uh, Again, with the updating of software, make sure that all of your, you know, like your operating system and your browser and all your browser plugins, those are all update, uh, updated with all the latest stuff. Uh, make sure that you have a security suite, so not just any malware, but firewall and um, good passwords. And um, two-factor authentication is another one of those um, big, scary-sounding words that really isn't all that complicated. It's basically, like, you think of a password, it's something you know. Right. And uh, another factor would be something you have. So if you think about a credit card, that's something like a physical thing that you have. And mm-hmm. like a, a pin, that's a thing you know. You put your credit card in, right? and that's your thing you have, and then you type in your pin, and that's the thing you know, and that's two factors of authentication. Right, right, right. Okay, so... Um so we hear all this stuff about smart TVs, and actually, I think was it Vizio or who was it that got in so much trouble that that the uh, TVs were actually listening in on what you were saying when you were watching TV? Yeah, um, yeah. So we've got TVs, smart cards. Um, yeah, everything's getting smart. You know, your your telephone is so smart. Your uh, refrigerator is smart. Right. And even baby monitors are smart, you know, so a lot of people are feeling kind of skittish about the Internet of Things. And tell us about the uh, Mirai Botnet. What it? What was that all about? Last yeah, year? there was, a, a, like, somebody found vulnerabilities in, um, I think it was mostly um, security cameras mm. that they were able to get into those security cameras and use them as little computers, which is essentially what they are, and attack websites. And in this case, it was a domain name server, which is kind of a, you know, phone book of the Internet. And so by disabling our ability to get to the phone book, people were not able to get to websites. Mm-hmm. And so it took down a huge chunk of the Internet just because they were able to get into these insecure um, Internet things and take down infrastructure Oh my gosh! So this is scary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a wild west situation out there right now. It is the wild west. So, um, so a lot of us are on social media. I mean, we're we're seeing even like Snapchat, you know, is going public, and people are on Facebook. People probably there's more people my age on Facebook than the young people. But you got uh, Instagram. You got all these yeah. different social networking. So. Um, what about protection on that? We have just about another minute and a half, so I, I, I it's a lot to tell you. Maybe you could just say two little things, and then we'll go to your website. Yeah, well, the, the short answer is the two-factor authentication that I mentioned before is a good thing. Make sure that you enable that on all your social media accounts. They're all enabled with that now. 
and it really is not as much fuss as some people kind of, it got a reputation as being an extra step that, you know, that's just a pain. No, but the way it happens now is so behind the scenes that most people aren't even aware that they're using it, but when, you know, hacker comes calling, it really does make a huge difference in your security. So, like, on the social networking, what are what is what would be considered the two-factor? You've got your password, and, and then what else would be the, the second factor? Well, essentially, it's kind of either your phone or your email. It will send a key to your phone or your email, and then you enter that key to in addition to your password to get in. I so see. So, if they get your password, you're not... You only have one thing that's missing, not both. I see. Well, we are just out of time, so you'll need to give your password. Uh, not your password. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 we no. won't ask you for your passwords, but you're going to have to give your website, and it's time All to right. go. And it's eset.com. That's E-S-E-T.com. Okay. Well, we sure appreciate all your wisdom, Lissa. We've been Thank you. And Lissa we, Myers, we will have you back again. So stay in touch and keep up all the great work that you're doing, okay? Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 